Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Friday, January 15th, 2021. A couple years ago, as my wife and I moved our family into a new home, we decided it was finally time to do something we had never done in our marriage, and that was to buy a grill for our home. So I went down to Home Depot, picked out a grill, brought it home, set it up, and boom, there I had it. And it was a, a nice grill. It was a wood chip fired grill that could you know grill things at high heat or smoke things at a lower heat. There was all kinds of things. And I've heard really good things about what I could do with this type of grill, but there was a problem. I had never really grilled before. So I had an amazing piece of equipment, but I had to learn how to use it. Thankfully, the website for this particular company uh, had tons of recipes online with with detailed instructions on how to use the grill, what things to to put on the meats, and and how to make it happen. And that made it really wonderful and easy for me where all I had to do was figure out what I wanted to cook, go online, get the instructions, follow the instructions, and my family and our guests were able to taste the deliciousness of what was coming off the grill. Well, today, as we look at God's word, we want to talk about the topic of prayer. Now, prayer is an amazing thing. Let's just be right up front. Prayer and having access to God to talk to him is way better than any grill you could ever buy. But the problem is every Christian has the privilege of prayer. We are all through the blood of Christ able to come and talk to God. The trouble is, many of us, we don't yet know how to use that. We have it. We own kind of the right to pray through the blood of Jesus Christ, but we don't know how to use it. Well, thankfully, God has given us a recipe. Jesus, he's given us clear instructions on how to pray, and we want to look at those today in Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 15. And here, this is a continuation on the Sermon on the Mount. But now he kind of shifts gears. The last half of chapter 5 was a lot of this, you have heard it said, but I say to you. Now in chapter 6, he starts with warnings, warnings against hypocrisy, warnings against really the practices of the religious leaders. He tells them not to put on a show with their righteousness just so that they are seen, not to put on a show with their giving so that everyone is impressed by them. He asks them, uh, you know, when they pray, don't make a show of your prayers to try to impress people with how spiritual you are or to use empty phrases like the Gentiles do in their prayers. But then he gets to instructions on how to pray. And many of you, you've probably heard these words before, but let's look at them. Starting in verse nine, it says, pray then like this, our father in heaven, Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And there, I think he gives us kind of the key ingredients and the instructions that we should follow in our 
prayer lives. And I think we we need to be careful as Christians because uh, many people in the name of Christ have basically turned this, what we know as the Lord's Prayer, into something Jesus explicitly said, don't do. He just told us, uh, don't be like the Gentiles and heap up empty phrases. You, You know, this idea of vain repetitions, just repeating words without thinking about it. That's not what the Lord's Prayer is for. The Lord's Prayer isn't just for us to to repeat those words without thinking about them. But may we not drift too far from this recipe that Christ has given us, because I think while it's probably not helpful for us to just repeat these words without thought, I think it is helpful for us to follow this template that Jesus has given us. And let's break down the Lord's Prayer a little bit here. It starts, Our Father in Heaven. And I think that in and of itself is an amazing phrase. Our Father in Heaven. Because it really shows just how near God is to us. We're calling Him Father. That's an amazing and intimate term. But we're also remembering He is in Heaven. He is holy. And again, the only reason we can say our Father in heaven is because of the blood of Jesus Christ, because of our adoption, because of what Jesus has done. So now we can walk into the throne room of heaven and look at the one on the throne and call him Father. And so we should approach uh, prayer with uh, an intimacy, but also with an incredible reverence for who this Father is that we are talking to. And then if you break it down, especially even in the Greek, there are technically six requests in this prayer, six imperative words. Um, And if you, even when you think about it, three of them, the first three requests are really focused on God. And then the last three are focused on us, uh, the, the one bringing the prayers. And it's interesting, even of those Uh, requests that are focused on us, one of them is focused on our physical needs, and and the other two even are focused on our spiritual needs. I think that even gives us an interesting breakdown for how we should think about our own prayer lives. Looking at how Jesus taught us to pray is a good chunk of our prayer life, not even really about us, but focused on God, His glory, His kingdom, His will. And then as we pray about ourselves, is most of our prayer about ourselves even about our own spiritual needs and not just about the physical things that we need? I think for many Christians, when we start thinking about prayer, the first thing we think about is praying about our physical needs, when that's really just one part, a small part of a much bigger picture for which we should pray. So let's break down all of these requests, even just briefly, one by one. The first three are about God. And the first is, hallowed be your name. And that's where I think it's great for us in our prayers to worship God. This idea of hallowed, God, we want your name to be honored. We want your name to be set apart and and consecrated. And that's a good time. That's why in our prayer times, we should often begin even just with worshiping God and praising his name and, and telling God how great he is. And then it moves on to your kingdom come. This should be a central part of our own prayers for for the advancement of the kingdom of God. And I think one aspect of this is we should be praying for the return of Christ, that he would come and establish his kingdom on this earth. But we should also realize until that day, how does the kingdom advance? It's going to advance as the church proclaims the gospel and souls are saved and won to Christ. 
That should be a central part of your prayers. Praying often, even I would encourage you, for your local church. And praying that your local church is being faithful to the Great Commission, to the work of this kingdom of God right here and right now. You should be praying for people to get saved. And then we we see this next prayer, the third prayer, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's where we should be praying even for sanctification. We should be praying for for growth. We should be praying that our church is living out what it what it teaches. We should be praying for our, our nation and different things going on in the world that justice and right would be done. These should be parts of our prayers as well. But these things are all focused really on God, his kingdom, and his will. Then the prayer transitions to us. And notice this is the only one that's related to our physical needs. It says, give us this day our daily bread. And I think it's interesting how many times that's not even really the focus of our own prayers for our physical needs. Lots of times we actually take our daily bread for granted. We take our health for granted. And I think there's so many things that we miss out on in prayer just by even each day thinking what are the our needs of the day and lifting them up to God and entrusting even the basic needs that we have to God and lifting them up to Him. But that should be a part of our prayer lives. But That dominates many people's prayer lives, and I don't think it should dominate it, but it should definitely be a part of it. Jesus teaches us to pray for our physical needs even on a daily basis. Next, that we see a prayer about a spiritual need we have, and that is for forgiveness. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Confession and asking God for forgiveness should be a regular, even daily part of our prayer lives. And I wonder how many of us, our spiritual growth is stunted because it's never a part of our prayer lives. We're not thinking back at the last day and thinking of, God, how do, what do I need to ask you forgiveness for? And because of that, I think we're unaware of many of the sins in our lives, which then go unaddressed and growth is missed. And finally, we pray that God would lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, right? We pray for God's protection and even most importantly, for God's spiritual protection in our lives, that he would help us to have victory over temptation. So I hope this encourages you to have kind of a recipe for your own prayers, that you would begin prayers with worship, that you'd be praying for people to get saved and the kingdom of God to advance, that you'd be praying for sanctification and justice and righteousness in your life, in your church, in this world, that we'd pray for our daily needs, that we would constantly be praying for forgiveness for ourselves and for spiritual protection. You have incredible access to God through prayer. Do not waste it. And don't turn this Lord's prayer into some, you know, just thing that you repeat mindlessly, but think of the substance of how he has taught us to pray and follow it in your own prayer life. And I think you will be amazed and you will be blessed as you pray. Speaking of prayer, we we see some examples of that in other passages today. And we're going to start with Psalm 9, where we read the second half of the Psalm, verses 11 through 20. And again, I'm so amazed at how relevant God's word is all the time. And here again, we see King David, we see him concerned, but we see him praying, lifting up his concerns. And and you notice that he has gratitude and praise as he prays. Uh, Look at verse 11. Sing praises to the Lord who sits enthroned in Zion. Tell among the people his deeds, right? He, He is praising God. He's also confident in God. Verse 12. 
For he who avenges blood is mindful of them. He does not forget the cry of the afflicted. So even though David is concerned by some of the things that he sees in his life and in the world, he knows that God is on the throne and he knows that God hears the cries of the afflicted. And so he lifts his prayers to God. And again, you see the confidence that he has. The wicked shall return to Sheol, all the nations that forget God. So when you look out and see nations and you see concerns about people forgetting God, God is going to be vindicated in the end. And even he says, for the needy shall not always be forgotten and the hope of the poor shall not perish forever. And so he calls out to God. He knows God is on the throne. He knows God can do something about it. And more than just knowing God can do something about it, he knows that God will do something about it. And he, he's trusting God's timing. He, he's leaving it up to God, but he is finding his own heart encouraged as he lifts it up to God. Next, we see Genesis 31 and 32. And again, we, we see God changing Jacob. And here we see him flee from Laban. And here we see Jacob not so much being the deceiver, but we see one of his wives even deceiving her own father. And we see the web of deception running all through this family and some of the consequences that it can have. But in chapter 32, as Jacob now has to come back and face the music with his brother Esau, we see him turning to prayer. And it's amazing in verse nine, Jacob says, O God of my father, Abraham, and God of my father, Isaac, O Lord, who said to me, return to your country and to your kindred that I may do you good. I am not worthy of the least of all the deeds of steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. For with only my staff, I crossed this Jordan and now I have become two camps. Please deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him that he may come and attack me, the mothers with their children. But you said, I will surely do you good and make your offspring as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. And here again, we see a great example of prayer. And you, you see, instead of as he crossed the Jordan, you know, a manipulator, constantly trying to steal things from his brother and fleeing for his life. Now he comes back grateful to God. And he doesn't look at his own methods as why he is blessed. He recognizes that it's because of God's goodness that he has been blessed. And even he brings up in his prayer for safety, the promises of God. He's saying, God, keep your promises to me. And again, this is a good template for us to pray that we would come to God with thanksgiving for all the ways he has blessed us. And even as we ask him for our needs, we bring to him his promises and his words. And then even later, we see a very graphic image of Jacob wrestling with God all through the night, asking God for his blessing. And I think it's kind of, we've seen Jacob wrestle with men, wrestle with his brother, wrestle with his parents, wrestle with Laban, right? And now he realizes instead of wrestling with others for temporary benefit, he's wrestling with God for his blessing. And may we all see that, that instead of focusing on the things of this world and how we can get an advantage over other people through manipulation or other means, we want to take our prayers to God. We want to wrestle with him. And we realize that better than any physical blessing or the blessing of his father that he stole from his brother, the blessing we should be seeking is the blessing of God. Finally, we see in Acts chapter five, just amazing work that God is doing, a work of revival as he is, as many people are 
putting their faith in Christ. And even the apostles are arrested, but then they are miraculously by an angel of the Lord set free and they go back into the temple to preach. And it's so shocking that even the religious leaders can't come and arrest them by force again because they are afraid of the people. And we're going to see some amazing things tomorrow that happen as a result of that. But today, I hope we are all encouraged to pray. We have incredible access to God through Jesus Christ. And while that can be intimidating, while we wonder, well, how do I pray? Jesus has given us a recipe. Let's look to him. Let's follow him. And let's lift up our prayers to God. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.